Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Ellie and Jared podcast. We've got a very special podcast for you today, namely because half of our group members, there's only two of us, aren't here. We have filled the place, the space that Ellie is normally in with someone else. Now, this person is a very special person in my life. Let me give you a little hint. They are, he is, ooh, that's a hint right there. He is a business owner. He is a writer and he is a musician. But most importantly, he's my dad. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, give it up for Craig Meekum. He has joined us today. Hello. You didn't think that we were doing this in front of a live studio audience I, who's I cheering for you I did not. so loudly. Thanks for being here on the podcast today. Well, you're welcome. I, I, I think I'm a natural. People tell me I have a face for radio, so. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait, hold on. There you go. <laughs> See, and I've got the studio in my hand. Now, is this your very first podcast? This is my very first podcast. Well, I'll have to say this. You're a natural already. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> you do have a face for radio. I do. I do. Some people say that I have a voice for movies. Is that right? Is that the opposite of that? I can't remember. You have a face for radio, and then you have a, a voice for television. Or something like that. I think it would have to be a voice for pictures. A voice for <laughs> photography. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay, I have a voice for to- <laughs> photography. Well, you know, again, thanks for being here. We have some stuff that we want to dive into today that gets pretty serious, you know, about our health, my health, and my dad's health, specifically with our heart, our hearts. But I, before we do that, there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on the past few years that I want to talk to dad about and to you guys about. Namely, we have just within the last week or two had our official public launch of the Ellie and Jared children's books, which is a huge thing. Thank you to dad for being a huge contributor in that. Oh, you're so, welcome. It was, it was a ton of fun. What, you know, about the books, what stands out to you the most from working on these books together? Well, I appreciated the opportunity. I appreciated the idea that you said, hey, dad, let's write some books together because I've been writing my entire career, Mm -hmm. but mostly about drilling equipment and credit unions and (laughs) really boring stuff. Yeah. So this was very exciting. It was an opportunity for me to, to write something that was fun. Mm -hmm. And children books, I think are fun to write. And it's cause you can kind of put messages behind things that you, you know, there's little metaphors here and there. And I think that was like one of the fun things is like, this is the message that we want to take away from this. How can we do this in a, a way for kids to understand and take? Correct. And children's books are actually harder to write because you have to be so brief. Mm hmm. You have to be so concise and you have to use language that children identify with rather than what I'm normally used to writing is for adults and right. technical things. Well, and using, well, I, and for me, it's like, oh, writing a children's book is easy because maybe my brain only comprehends that you have a large brain and are <laughs> writing about, you know, drilling and credit unions and that sort of thing. So. Maybe it's easier for me than it is for you because you have to dumb down your language <laughs> skills. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that I would qualify, that I would say it's dumbed down, but 
but it it is it is more difficult than I thought. Yeah, we have two books that are out right now: Pretty Penny and Her Very Best Friend, and The Boy Who Talked to Rocks. These are both available right now on books.elianjared.com, and there is an accompanying audio read along where me and even Jackson read along the story so your children can follow along and there's like a cool turn the page sound effect so they can follow along right with the book which is is so much fun i think the coolest part to me was finding an illustrator and seeing the book like really come to life yes indeed and i think we were very fortunate to find the illustrator that we did yeah he's super talented i mean just the just the texture of the art is amazing right. We looked at so many different illustrators and so many different styles, and, and I'm really pleased with the one we settled on. Yeah, so if you guys want to check out the books, um, go to books.elianjared.com. They're available right now. Makes a great Easter gift for your kids or grandkids. So yeah, check that out. Now, the reason we were able to work on this project is because you live in Utah. Correct. And you didn't used to. Correct. I didn't used to live in Utah. Also correct. Yeah, so... How many years have you now lived in Utah? <laughs> Let's see. What is the date today? today We're recording is this the on the ninth. Yeah. So I have lived in Utah four years and six days. <laughs> four years and six days. Yes. Usually, um, on the anniversary of my parents moving, we will go out to dinner, and we 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 were out of town. So for the Bali thing, runway show. So we have to make sure we make yes. time for that. We have not forgotten. Right. We may have. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But the other cool thing is because you guys did move to Utah, we've been able to work on these things and do the children's books. But also, I feel like a lot of your hobbies you've been able to do too. Of that, at least that I haven't seen you do as much as you did or as much now as you weren't able to do before. You've been doing lots of music. Right. Right. So tell me what you've been doing. Well, I've been writing songs again. So I wrote um, a whole bunch of songs when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And I wrote like in a year, I wrote like 25 songs. Mm -hmm. And I kept them in a little red notebook. Right. And when we moved, I found that notebook after all these years. And I looked through these songs and I thought, these are terrible. <laughs> and, and, and some of them were, but there were two or three or four of them that, that I thought were reasonable. And so I kind of resurrected them and it just made this little light go off in my head yeah. that caused me to start writing again. So in the middle of the night, I'll have these ideas. Two o'clock in the morning, I'll wake up with these ideas and and I just have to write them. So mm -hmm. I write them right then, right there. Right. Because, you know, even as like vlog ideas, if I don't write something down right away, it's gone. Exactly. So it, I imagine it's the same for you. It is. Especially at two in the morning. It is. It is. Because every time I think, oh, I'm so tired, I'll work on this in the morning. 99% of the time when I wake up in the morning, the idea is gone right? and I can't get it back. So or, I, or at least like the, the, the fullness of it, you might have right. like a piece of it, but it's like, right. oh, this was so much better, you know, at two in the morning than it is now because I've let so much time. Go exactly. By. Exactly. So I, I keep my iPhone by the bed. Mm -hmm. And when I have one of those ideas and I wake up and I think, Oh geez, not another one. <laughs> <laughs> and I grab my iPhone and I start writing and 
much to your mom's. I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah. be honest, how often do you wake up mom doing this? Um, quite a bit. Oh. Yeah. So she just, she says, oh, another one? And I said, yeah, I'm sorry. And so she turns over and goes back to sleep. So you mentioned this red book full of songs that you wrote from college. Right. Are they, were, would there be any songs that I would recognize from growing up? Um, I'm, I'm guessing Houston. Yeah. Houston is one. Mm-hmm. And that, that is actually one that I have gone into the studio recently and, yeah. and recorded. Right. And there, you've changed a little bit of the, the riff. Yes. On that, yes. Which I, I found I interesting. Yeah, I have. I put a little <clears throat> in it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, real quick, before we go further, where, where can people listen to this stuff um, so they have an idea of what we're if talking you, about? If you search Craig Meekum on iTunes, mm-hmm. um, I'll be there. Okay. So Houston is one that I grew up hearing quite a bit, and we yeah. would actually jam to because it has a really nice it's chord a blue, progression. Yeah, it's a bluesy type thing. So me and my brothers and my dad, would we'd play the song, and we would solo to it, and we would each take turns soloing to it and dad would sing. And so that, that's one of my personal favorite songs that you've right. ever written is because right. it's so fun to so, uh, right. solo with, uh, with the guys. And and that's, that's really, there's maybe four and that's really the one, I think that's the one that I won the songwriting contest or took second place in the songwriting contest. The one in Montana year. or Wyoming? No, no, the, the, that's the one here in Logan where I won. The, oh, okay. Because didn't you go to like I, the next I, level? I did. I was a finalist at the Red Lodge Songwriters Festival mm-hmm. last year for a song called Driving Through Montana. Driving Through Montana. That's the one. It happens every time. So you can listen to that on iTunes right now. That's right. You yeah. can. In fact, Jackson will ask Siri to play Driving Through Montana <laughs> on our HomePod. I taught him how to do that. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> yes. Because one day he he did it and I was like, that's new. <laughs> like he knows how to work Siri. Like, hey, Siri, play Disney music. Oh, my phone's probably going to go off when I say that. But when he said, hey, Siri, play Driving Through Montana by Craig Meekum, it, it came up and I was like, wow, okay, okay, great. Yeah. I, I taught him how to do that. So I know that's what happens when you babysit. <laughs> Trying to get those extra listens that's on right. iTunes. That's right. I figured that might be the only way this song gets played at your house. Well, no, that's not necessarily true because you send me screenshots every once in a while of your songs charting on like country music yes, stations. Yes. Radio it, spins. Yes. Yes. Um, driving through Montana last between July and October of last year had... 10,660 radio spins. Wow. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you very Amazing. much. Thank Maybe you. we can make that 10,667 <laughs> today. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. And now you've been writing a lot more, which is really fun to see. You send demos to our family group chat quite a bit, and I, and I love to see that. But I think what's even cooler is you are playing just about everywhere in Utah now, like Logan in the Northern Utah. I, I, I am fairly busy. I had a, uh, a gig tonight at Utah state university. So guys, it was hard to get dad to come here because <laughs> he's been playing gigs everywhere. It's been a lot of fun. So you didn't do that in Spokane. No, I didn't. I You're was doing it now though. I was too busy raising kids. Oh, so it's my fault. <laughs> it is. It's absolutely your fault. But 
is that the only reason why you're doing it much more now is because you don't have kids at home to take care of and everything, or is there more to it than that? I think that's a big part of it. I, I think the other part is that I, you know, I found the red notebook. Mm -hmm. I rekindled the fire Mm -hmm. and, and then I, my, my mind is in a place where these ideas come to me. Mm-hmm. I, I am, I think in a more secure and, and less worrisome space. Right. And so there's, there's space in my brain for these ideas to come to me and, and they do. Good. Um, what happens when you have an idea on the shower? What do you do? I don't usually get ideas. In really? I don't. Seriously, I don't. I do my best thinking when I'm in the shower or in the car. I, I don't get songs in the shower. I get maybe other ideas, which mm. I follow up on right away. But, you know, songs come to me in the seriously in the middle of the night. They wake me up. That's crazy. It is. Do you ever have arguments in the shower? Like, no. do you ever, like, go through and be like... You mean uh, with, with yourself? Well, no, like a past <laughs> argument. You think about an argument that you've had and you win the argument in the shower. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I do that. Really? I, I don't think I do. You guys listening will have to let me know if this is something that you guys do. It's something that I think about quite a bit. I don't have a ton of arguments. I feel like I'm pretty calm with my relationships around the world. But I feel like sometimes when I think of like arguments that I've had in the past. It's like, oh, if I would have only said this, it would have been so much better. Yeah, I think everybody does that to a certain extent. I just don't do mine in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's something I do. Maybe that's why I take such long showers is I have a lot of arguing to do. <laughs> Maybe. I guess. Anyway. Well, cool. So do you, you've been touring locally. You've been yeah, playing I, shows. Yeah. Where have you been playing? Well, <clears throat> um, I, I play. <laughs> You'll laugh. I play. I, laugh. I play at a lot of retirement homes. Mm-hmm. Is that because they like the music that you that you make, or you know, is that because they have openings, or they're just like really looking for people to come visit them? Well, I mean, they schedule me n- nearly a year in advance, so I have bookings through the end of the year. Oh at, my! Gosh. At these retirement homes. So because I, they love you because, so much because it's so much fun. Yeah. And you know, and, and these, these people are very appreciative and they're very grateful and they come up to me afterwards and, and they tell me the same things over and over again, <laughs> but they're so sweet. Well, that's fun. You know, someday you, there's a chance that you might be in a retirement home and someone visits you and play songs. And then you'll say, you want to know something, son? Why don't you let me show you how it's done? <laughs> That's right. I'm sure. I, I'm sure I'll be all over it. You have. What's your set like? Like what? What do you? What? How long do you play? Do you? What do you do in between I, songs? I I play for an hour, mm-hmm. and I tell stories because all of my songs pretty much have stories that go with them. Right. And most of them are are funny. Mm-hmm. Most of them are about. Things that happened to me as I grew up, mm-hmm. like Killer Broccoli is right. a song that you know that I wrote. I think it's been on the vlog a few times. I, I Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure it has. And, uh, you know, I, I talk about growing up. I talk about 
falling in love for the mm-hmm. first time. I have a song called Dear Vicky mm-hmm. about. Is that about Aunt Vicky? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Not it's, about falling in love, but no. I mean, like, I'm falling in love with your sister. And, Deal with it. No, no, no. It's it it it's about a girl in the sixth grade whose name was Vicky, and my very first love, and how I handled it, and it's it's. It's pretty funny. Did your friends call her Icky Vicky? No. Okay. No, she was the most beautiful girl in the entire school. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that really quickly. Can you um, talk about how you and mom met? Like, because there was like a swap when you guys lived, where you guys lived, and you heard stuff about mom, right? Well. Or was it the other way around? So. I lived until I was 14 in Walnut Creek, California. Mm -hmm. And um, in April of the year that I turned 14, I moved from Walnut Creek, California to St. Louis, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And that same year, mom moved from Springville, Utah to Walnut Creek, California. So we just barely missed each other. And my friends would write me letters telling me, that this cute girl moved into town and, and how I would really love to, to be there. And and yeah, you're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, 15, 18 years later, 18. Yeah. We were, we were at college Yeah, and I had broken up with a girl Mm -hmm. and mom found room in the apartment that she lived in. Uh Uh-huh. And her best, <laughs> my, my, oh, this is a complicated story. Are you sure you want me to tell it? Yeah, go ahead. It's okay. okay. So my ex fiance's best friend was the girlfriend of my best friend. So even though we had broken up, I still hung out at that apartment. Because your best friend, because was, my best friend's yeah. girlfriend was there. Right. That and had so to make it a little difficult. It, though. it was difficult. And that's, that's how I, met your mom uh-huh. and my ex fiance then said, guess what? Jared's mom, <laughs> Jared's future mom, you have to move out or you have to stop dating Craig. And she thought about it for a minute. She, she actually, she hardly thought about it at all. She says, Oh, I'll stop dating him. No. <laughs> yes. Really? And I said, what the heck? Oh, I'm going to find you a new place to live. So I found her a new place to live. Oh, well, look at that. I fought for this. That's probably the most romantic thing you've ever done, huh? <laughs> probably. <laughs> if mom were here, she'd say, yep. <laughs> now, when did you make the connection that you, like you left and she moved in? Did you guys know at least a little bit about each other before that? Or did you yeah, like, we, oh my we, gosh. We did because of my friend's letters that they had written to me telling me how beautiful she was and, and you know, how I was missing out. And so I knew a little bit about her. And of course they told her about me. Mm-hmm. So, and mom's and at college was the first place you guys met. I'm assuming that's the first place I remember that we met. Uh-huh. Mom says that we met once when I went to California to visit, to visit. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't remember that she said I was rude. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, that's funny. Well, I'm, we went from books to music <laughs> and I didn't think we would get into your love life. I didn't either. <laughs> you know what I always say is interesting is the older I get, the more I realize like how close 
the timing of like where I sit now, you weren't, it wasn't that long ago that you're in the same position that I was. Cause looking back at Jackson, it's like, I remember going to kindergarten and having these experiences. I remember my teacher, all of that stuff. And he's going through that right now. So you're probably thinking, yeah, Jared, when you know you were having this tough time, you actually did know what I was talking about and what I was feeling. Right. I think we forget that our parents have had these emotions and these feelings and these experiences before we did. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we ought to listen to them. Mm-hmm. We ought to take advice from them. We ought to consult with them. And I think lots of times we don't, not, not speaking of you personally, because right, I know we, general. we talk a lot, Yeah, but I think in, in general, people don't take advantage of the experiences that their parents have had or other older people have had. Mm-hmm. Mostly because they're just, well, they're my parents. You know, that's like, that's my dad. He doesn't know. Yeah, but that's my mom. I know. I know. She wasn't, she wouldn't know what it's like to kiss a girl, (laughs) you know, you know, but that's just a young kid being ignorant at least. Right. But it's, it's funny looking back and seeing. I never spoke to my parents at all ever Mm -hmm. about my romantic entanglements when I lived at home. Well, and I think I talked with mom quite a bit about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think all you kids were much more open mm-hmm. than than I was. Do you know why I don't think I did talk to you that much about it? No. Because when when I was kissing the girl in the car, oh, you'd I, show I up out you. the window <laughs> and freak me out. I caught you. And it would scare me so bad. I'm like, oh, time to go. Let's go. <laughs> I didn't know if I was in trouble or not. <laughs> I was expecting a high five or a smack to the face. <laughs> I didn't know which one. I didn't stay long enough to find out. So where can people find, so on iTunes, they can find you mm-hmm. streaming there. What mm-hmm. about if they want to come see you play? Do you have like a website where you have your shows? Yeah, they can find me on Reverb Nation uh-huh. um, and my shows are listed there. Cool. I think that's probably the best place to find shows. Great. Well, guys, check my dad out. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick little break to thank our sponsors for this podcast. And then we're going to talk about some more serious things about our hearts. Spring is upon us, and I've been meaning to do a bit of spring cleaning around the house. But what about cleaning up your finances? Part of that includes getting organized with an estate plan. With TrustandWill.com, you can create a fully customizable legal will, trust, or guardianship in all 50 states in as little as 10 minutes, right from the comfort of your home. With live support available, Trust and Will makes it so easy to confidently create an estate plan that matches your needs. Do you have kids? Well, guardianships start at just $39. Or for $30 more, you can get a will to protect your kids and your assets. Do you own a home? Well, then consider a trust, which starts at just $399. You guys can organize your affairs this season with trustandwill.com. Plus, get 10% off your purchase of a guardianship, will, or trust by visiting trustandwill.com slash Ellie and Jared. That's trustandwill.com slash Ellie and Jared to automatically receive 10% off your purchase of a guardianship, will, or trust. We want to take a quick second and thank today's sponsor of our podcast, which is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's what we use right now. So let me explain. It's free. 
There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I find it a little convenient that our sponsor today is Trust and Will, giving the topic of conversation that we are going to have about hearts and dying and safety and precaution and everything. So thanks, Trust and Will, for sponsoring this podcast today. And we're back. Um, I'm sitting here with my dad. How are you, dad? I'm really great. Good. Well, we've talked about this on the vlog a little bit and more recently in, a, in another podcast. My heart has been going through some interesting things that my body doesn't like. <laughs> my heart hurts quite a bit. And I know that you've had a lot of experience with some similar things. So I was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling us your story and even maybe your dad's story about the heart troubles that you guys have gone through, because we have a history of some heart troubles and then kind of give some results of some testing that I've had done. So your dad. Yeah. So my dad in 1980, September 23rd, 1980, died suddenly of a heart attack. December 3rd, you said? No, September oh, 23rd. September. I thought I thought you said December 23rd, and I said, I had no idea it was that close to Christmas. No, but no September, September 23rd. 23rd. Yeah, biggest tragedy of my life. He right. was 55 years old, and reasonably, or so we thought, good health. Mm-hmm. You know, very vigorous, active, lots and lots of yard work. He was an engineer by trade, is that right? Yes, that's correct, a civil engineer. So it was a, it was a tremendous shock to our entire family and you know no one knew and back in those days there was not the medical technology that exists today i think if there had been he would perhaps even still be alive mm-hmm. so we assume that he had a heart attack he did have a heart attack he, yeah, so they, he did yeah. they they were able to yeah, they, identify that yeah and was he got to the hospital and was there for how long? Well, he, he had actually had some chest pains and was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And that's where he... Oh, so had, he passed and had the had heart, the heart attack, attack. In the hospital, yeah. In the hospital. Yeah. Um, had, do you know if the chest pains had been lo- a long time coming? It was the first time he'd had them? Well, come to find out... He talked to my mom and that he had been experiencing some chest pains in the weeks prior to that. Uh-huh. And, you know, basically just didn't think too much up. of it. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, didn't think it was, he thought, I think he thought it was more heartburn, mm-hmm. indigestion kind of thing. Interesting. And the first time I remember you having any heart or chest pain was when you went backpacking with my older brothers, Ryan, Nate, and Matt. Is there any time before this? No, no. That was the very first time that I'd ever experienced any kind of chest pain at all. And we were hiking in the mountains. I think we got up to 12,000 feet Mm -hmm. and I had this huge backpack. Right. 
because I had you're a, carrying all the kids stuff. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a ton of camera gear that I wanted to take. Yeah. And so I, my backpack was way heavier than it should. And we'd been living in Spokane for all these years, which is like 2000, 2000 feet. Yeah. And so I'm way high up in the mountains where there's not much oxygen. And, mm-hmm. and so we camped for the night and I'm laying there in the tent and I'm thinking, Ooh, this pain is nothing like I've ever felt before. So this is after you've settled down for a while. Right, right. So I'm laying there at in the night, you know, and it woke me up and I thought, wow, this is this is not normal. This mm-hmm. this might be scary. And here I am in this wilderness area, you know, there's nobody's going to come. You don't have a cell phone. No, there's no such thing as cell phones back in those days. So wait, real quick. So grandpa when he passed, he was 55 years old. Correct. You were 45. 45 when, when I had happened. when this happened, yes. And what what year was this? 1994? 45 it would have been 1990. I was like 7 or 8. Or 1996? Cuz I was too young to go yeah. on this hiking yeah. or backpacking trip. 1996, so you were 8. Yeah. 1996. I was close yeah. on that guess. So you were 45 years old. And when you were, I mean, you were a mountain man, at least the way I understood. Like you loved hiking and camping. I loved hiking. I loved camping. I loved survival. I'd been on survival trips where, you know, you just had a knife and a length of rope and a, and a garbage bag and you, you know, survived for days and ate ants and tree bark. And what physical condition would you say your body was in at this time? I... You know, I had had my own business Mm -hmm. for several years, so which meant sitting at a desk, you know, cranking away hour after hour after hour. So I was leading a very sedentary life Mm -hmm. at the time. So I was not in prime physical condition for sure. But it wasn't something that like you could do hikes and you'd be okay normally. Yeah. Because you would do that every so often. Yeah. We'd go on walks and in in Spokane, you know, I hiked Micah Peak a lot. Right. And never had any issues, never felt like I was not fit for mm-hmm. that experience. So you're laying in the tent and then you realize, oh man, this is an ordinary, inordinary. Yeah. And, and I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to die. I don't know. Because it, it was very, very painful. Uh-huh. And then, so I, the only thing I could do was just lay there. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't do any good to wake anybody up. Right. It would just worry them because they couldn't do anything. And I thought, well, okay, if I die, they'll have to pack me out. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I got up the next morning and felt fine. And so we did some fishing and we did some hiking around. Did and, you sleep at all? Yeah, I did. I eventually went to sleep for a, a, not very long. Yeah. But, and I didn't tell anybody. Mm. Except when you, I got home, I told mom. So you went fishing, all of that stuff. In my head, I feel like they helped you get down the mountain. Well, yeah, because I had exhausted myself so much getting up the mountain mm-hmm. that Uncle Steve went with us. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and so he um, carried a lot of stuff down the mountain. So he was 35-ish, right? How? What's your age difference? Um, You're 10 years? I think eight. Okay, so eight he's years. 36. Yeah. He's not that much older than I am right now. During this experience. Whoa. 
Is that crazy? That is crazy. I'm 31 right now. That is crazy. So he's only a few years older than me at this time. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy to think about. And you didn't, I thought, because I didn't know Uncle Steve was there. I forgot about that. So you didn't even tell Uncle Steve about it. Oh, that surprises me. Yeah. So when you were getting down the mountain, how did he help? He took some of the the weight of my pack. Did you say like, oh, you know, this is get this is hard for me. Can well, you grab some? It it was pretty obvious that I was lagging behind. Uh-huh. And you know, going down a, a mountain, this was very very steep. Right. Going down a mountain is for me even more strenuous than going up. Mm-hmm. It's harder on your knees, and I know it was just it was a lot of work. And so Steve could see that I was struggling and took so you, some of my stuff. You got home and did you immediately tell mom or after you kind of unpacked and settled for a little bit? You know, I honestly don't remember, but I, I told mom and we made an appointment with the doctor. So we were living in Spokane. Correct. Hiking in Utah. Correct. Did you get home to Spokane before you made the appointment or did yes. you see the, okay. No, I, I didn't get make the appointment until I got home. Cause I, you know, I thought, oh, you're just being a baby. Mm. Um, and then when you ma- went to the doctor, what did they, what did they find out? Well, the doctor listened to my heart and did an EKG and he said, you know, there's just something not quite right. I'm going to send you to a specialist. Mm-hmm. So I went to a cardiologist and, you know, they ran the tests and they found a 99% blockage in one of my coronary arteries. 99%. Yeah. Yeah. So that was bad. I it's mean, called, if, it's called the widow maker. Oh, right. That's yeah. right. Cause it just happened so suddenly. Yeah. I mean, one more percent, that's an A plus. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I guess 99 is technically an A plus yeah. still, but, and so what did they do after they, they found the blockage? How did they find the blockage? They did an angiogram. And what does that entail? That entails back in those days, that entails putting a, a needle mm-hmm. and, and a, the size of your, of your fist. <laughs> That's probably what it felt like. It did. Uh, in the femoral artery right there at your groin mm-hmm. and snaking it up into the heart and shooting dye into the heart and then watching a picture. And seeing um, what? And seeing where the blood travels, where the dye travels through the bloodstream. So they saw it stop. Yeah. They they saw, yeah, they saw the, the blockage and... You know, they even um, gave me pictures of it Mm. so I could see it. And when they would do after that. And they immediately put a stent in that artery. Uh And that just opens up. Right. So when you went, you had a 99% blockage. When they put the stent in your heart, what did it open up to? It, I think it opened up to normal. Okay. Yeah. Have you had any stents since then? Yes. And where, how many do you have? Uh, I have two. Two. And... How long after did you have the second one put in? 10 years. So you're 55. Right. Same age as your grandpa. Or as your dad. As my dad. My grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. And were you experiencing more heart pain to cause that? Yes. And when would that happen? That happened. I had a project to do to a client and, and I was just, you know, it was like three days of nearly all nighters to try and, and get this project finished. And the morning that it was due, I was out walking in the backyard to try and keep awake mm-hmm. because I'd been up all night and I started feeling this pain in my chest. I had gone and gotten an energy drink. Right. 
which Jared, we'll talk about that <laughs> for sure. I'd gotten an energy drink to help keep me awake to finish this project. And so I'm walking around in the backyard, just trying to, you know, keep awake. And, and I started to feel this pain and I debated with myself as to whether or not I was being a big baby or whether I should go to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. And so I finally decided that I should go to the emergency room. I called the client. I said, I'm not feeling well this morning. We need to reschedule our meeting. I went to the emergency room. They took one look at me and put me in an ambulance and took me downtown to the heart clinic where they threw me around like a side of beef until they'd gotten me um, into where they did the, the angiograms and stents. Like transferring you from yeah. table to table. And, yeah. 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 It, I'd never been in an ambulance before, but they wouldn't let me just drive there. I tried to talk them out of it, but no, they said, no, you have to go in this ambulance and you have to go right now. Mm-hmm. And and then when I got to the hospital, you know, it, it was, they were acting very urgently. Yeah. I was not feeling urgent at the time, but, mm-hmm. but they were obviously considering it to be an emergency. So the Widowmaker, I mean, it's, they call it the Widowmaker because it just happened so suddenly. Right. And then, you know, right. you, you pat, and that's probably why they were taking it so seriously, especially given your yeah, previous. But it wasn't in the same spot. Uh-huh. It was a different spot. And do you know how much it was? No, I, I don't, I don't remember. The reason I'm asking so many specific questions is because I'm going to circle this back to me and relate it to what I've been experiencing, you know, the past specifically eight to 10 months, maybe even a year now. And even when I was in college in my twenties since then, so you're now 68. Yes. Wow. But you know, that's 13 years ago that you had your last right. stent put right. in. And I've outlived my father by 13 years. Right. Have you had any heart pain since then? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I have gone in for a couple of tests and, you know, every test that I've gone in, they have found nothing. Great. To be a problem. So I'm good for another hundred thousand miles. You got, you got a hundred thousand miles left <laughs> yeah. on the, yeah. on the motor. Well, that's, that's really, really good to hear. In fact, you just had a stress test not too long ago, right? Yeah. Well, actually I think it's, no, that's right. It's been maybe eight months, yeah. six months. Interesting. Well, good. I'm happy because you're still around. I think that was one of my big concerns was, you know, when when mama telling me these stories of grandpa and then you, um, one thing she would always say is, you know, grandpa died of a heart attack, heart attack at 55. Dad had heart trouble at 45. When you're 35, you better watch out. Yeah, and I think that there is some scientific evidence to back that up for coronary artery disease right. to present earlier in succeeding generations. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you had obviously this runs in the family. You had mentioned that there was a cousin of yours at a family reunion who was in really great health, who's had stents in put in. Yeah, like 15 of them. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that... Uh, He's the only person I know that has had that many stints, but yeah. And his brother had a heart attack when he was 25. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's scary. And that's all on the Meekum side of the family. Right. So you can see why I might be a little nervous and take things, you know, with extra caution when it comes to my heart and that sort of thing. It's because of the history. It's so, 
you know, literally crazy what, what can happen so suddenly. Um, when I was in my 20s, I was at BYU in college, and I was experiencing some heart pain. This is when I was super active. I was in pole vaulting. It was, you know, before my hip. Yeah, I think it was before my hip really started flaring up a lot. I, I went to the doctor and was telling him I was having chest pain, heart pain specifically, and they sent me right to a cardiologist, and the cardiologist laughed. Yeah. And and that was extremely frustrating because, you know, he's like, you're in your 20s, you're in the track and field program. What what about your heart could possibly be wrong? And, I you know, I laid him out my history. He's like, okay, well, we'll do a stress test, but, you know, there's nothing wrong. So I did the stress test and everything came back fine, but I think that was the extent of it. They didn't do anything after that. So, you know, is that my fault for not pursuing it a little further? Maybe, but I'm, you know, just a 20-year-old and I don't know all of the, you know, you know, maybe I'm not worried enough. But then I'm getting to the point now, you know, eight to 10 months ago, where I'm experiencing sharp, sudden heart pain where my heart feels like it's beating out of my chest. It's not beating fast. It's just beating really, really hard with a few exceptions where it would be really, really hard and fast. But more often than not, it's just beating really, really hard. And it's very painful when it does that. And it's funny how looking back, I can see why it might be doing this, but I'll, I'll get to that in one second. So I'm experiencing this, this heart pain and everything. And I go to my doctor and he asks me some questions and I give him the history and I answer those things. And he's like, well, you know, maybe your cholesterol is a little high. Let's have a blood test. So I take the blood test and he's like, yes, your bad cholesterol is a little high and your good cholesterol is is low. He's like, that is a very a generational thing that runs in the family. So he's like, I'm not too worried about that. Take this medicine, see what happens. Um, Let it go for a few weeks to a month before it really kicks in. So I do that and nothing settles, nothing subsides. In fact, it gets a little bit worse. The, there are nights and I just am telling this to dad a few days ago, there have been nights where I have been afraid to go to sleep because I don't, I didn't think I would wake up in the morning. My heart was pounding so bad. I don't know why I didn't call the, you know, 911 or anything like that, but I think maybe that's our stubbornness because none of us ever did that either. Right. But you, you should have at least said, you know, Ellie, I I think I need to go to the emergency yeah. room. Ellie definitely knew. Like I, I woke Ellie up and I told her she definitely knew. So if I did die, she knew why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Because that makes a big difference. Right. And I feel bad for laughing about it because in the moment it's very, very scary. Right. Very, very serious. And then, you know, more time goes by. I have a couple more experiences like that. And I'm just like, I this there's got to be more to it than just this. So I go back to the doctor. Ellie's with me, and Ellie is not as patient as I am when it comes to working with doctors. Because you know Ellie's a history. She's gone through every single doctor with her hormones. She's she's not going to beat around the bush. Right. And she tells the doctor, she says, I'm worried that my husband's going to die. I don't want to go through the slow process. What can we do now to figure out if he's going to have a heart attack or not? And he says, well, there's a CT scan that you can do. 
and it will see, you know, what's going on with your heart. If there's anything that we have to worry about. So that day they scheduled me for the next day to have a CT scan done. And we have a vlog coming out soon about this where it kind of shows the stuff and it's, it's a lot more raw uh, than the podcast because we film it as I'm experiencing it. But you'll see that if you want to have like the, another side of the story. So I get the CT scan done and, you know, I asked the, the radiologist or the, the image person, you know, did it look okay? Did it, you know, how was the image? Like, would you think the radiologist would be able to read that well? And they said, yes, I was only there for five minutes. Hmm. which when I've been in machines before with my hip, I've been in there for hours and it was literally like one of the worst experiences of my life. And this didn't take very long at all. Ellie and Tommy were in the waiting room for me and they were like, Oh wow, that was really, really fast. So then I get a call from the doctor or from the nurse and she says, you scored a zero. And I said, so are we playing golf or are we playing <laughs> basketball? Because that can mean a few different things. And she said, you're playing golf. So the the lower the score, the better. And, you know, a huge sigh of relief yes. comes over me. And I'm just like, oh, thank goodness. But then I'm thinking, why, why the heck am I why feeling are you having this? the pain? Yeah. Why am I having this? Because it, it happens so randomly. It happens so suddenly if I can point a direction where it's happening, it's more often in the nighttime. But there was a time where I was holding Tommy talking to Ellie and my heart just was like shocked. Just one time and it just went, and I was like, oh, ow, ow, ow. I had to put Tommy down because I was afraid I was going to drop him. And that was it. I have my Apple watch and I'm doing, I have the EKG or the ECG version and never has it picked up anything, which I know it's not like the most right advanced thing, but a two lead thing is a heck of a lot better than nothing. When you're feeling these things, it's never picked up anything, but I think that's one, a good thing. Um, but it worries me a little bit. So I'm thinking crap, then what, what the heck is going on? And so I'm, I'm talking to the nurse about this and, and she said, just keep up a good healthy diet and make sure you're getting sleep. That's the issue, Jared Meekum. So I'm thinking back. I have been doing YouTube for seven years, and there's, I've, you know, for six or five or six of those seven years, I would edit until two, three in the morning to get the video up the next day. And then I would wake up at six or seven o'clock to, you know, get ready for the day because we have kids and they'd wake up. And I feel like a lot of this is probably because I've gone for seven years with getting four, five, six hours of sleep. I haven't had like a regular eight hours of sleep in seven years. Yeah, it's probably aged you an extra 10 years. Oh, great. I'm back to you when you're hiking. <laughs> yes, I'm exactly. that age. But coupled with that, in order to stay awake while I'm editing... I have energy drinks every once in a while. Okay. Do you see a pattern here? I do see a pattern here. So I'm st up three days mm -hmm. drinking energy drinks to stay awake and I have my heart thing. Yeah. You're up for seven years <laughs> <laughs> drinking energy drinks every day. 
Yeah, I think it's a stress thing, Jared. I, I That's ultimately what I'm thinking of, is that it's more related to stress, lack of sleep. And here's the other thing. You know, within the last eight to ten months, we've made a lot of changes, too. I'm an easygoing guy. I don't, you know, I feel like I can accept change and take it on pretty easily. But, you know, with YouTube, with making all of these changes on that the social media side of things, and doing all of these Bali launches, I feel like that's different stress than I'm used to. And I feel like that's having a pretty big impact on my health, whether my eyes and brain see it or not, my heart is experiencing it. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things is a huge stress from YouTube, or at least change in stress from YouTube. I'm not stressed about it. Like I don't feel like I'm stressed about it. And maybe my body is just, catching up to it or something like that. It doesn't realize that I'm going through all of this stuff um, until it physically can't take it anymore. But ultimately that's what the doctor thinks. Now, even with all of the changes that we made, you know, cutting back from YouTube, I'm still up late at night and up early in the morning. I'm, you know, I'm working on the Bali website. I'm getting ready for product launches. I'm getting ready for new designs you know, those things. So it's not like my sleeping schedule has changed all that much. There, It's different stresses. I, I don't feel stress though. I think that's one of the things is like, I don't, I don't feel the stress that my body might be feeling. And so I think that might be hard for me to interpret or, or, you know, I think there's just a level of stress that you have achieved, uh-huh. I guess, if you could say it that way over the years and you don't notice it because that's the new normal for you. That's my quote unquote homeostasis is stressed. <laughs> right. Right. That's, it's definitely something interesting. It's, you know, if I wasn't stressed, like what would it be like, it, you know, cause I imagine, you know, for you, how many 30 years when you were working the hours that you did in Spokane, did you ever feel like you weren't stressed? You feel like that now. I, I don't feel the same now, but I felt stressed every single day mm-hmm. of those of those years. And whether it's a biological thing that you were passed down or stress it nearly killed you. Yeah. And we would not be here having this amazing podcast. <laughs> Correct. My next question is, so they did the CT scan. You know, you had a, they went up through your femoral artery. What was that called? An angiogram. Angiogram. Because yeah. you had angina. Yeah. But they, they go up through your through your hand now. Uh-huh. So do you think that would show anything different than the CT scan on my heart? Do you think that would show blockage like you had? I, I don't think so. That The preliminary stuff that my doctor first detected was in his office mm-hmm. just with me hooked up to an EKG and just seeing that and just seeing the EKG. He said, Ooh, this doesn't look right. We better get something more serious going on here. Yeah. So I, I think the preliminary work would have shown something if it was there. Right. And my, my brothers, I I know at least two of them are on the same cholesterol medicine. Yeah. So I, 
me personally, I don't feel like all of my questions are answered, but I feel like I have a pretty good handle on my heart situation right now. I just need to get some sleep right before I die. <laughs> you need less stress, more sleep, and stop those energy drinks. Okay. Can we make a deal? I don't know. What you- <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone likes Dr. Pepper more than me, it's me. <laughs> it's probably my dad. But the thing is, my dad is a diet Dr. Pepper drinker. Right. We're pepperheads. Like, we love Dr. Pepper. So, I don't know, Dad. Your face is not telling me you want to do this. I'm going to say it, and we can think about it. Let's give ourselves 24 hours to think about it. Sleep on it. I probably won't sleep on it because I'm having a hard time doing that. But we'll talk about it. Let's say you stop drinking diet Dr. Pepper for a month. And I'll stop drinking energy drinks for a month. And in fact, even soda. So let's let's make that deal with each other and think about it and see if you can do that. What do you think? I, I Okay, let's think about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll think about it. Guys, I would love to know your input. Have you guys ever experienced anything that my dad has or I have? What was the result of it? What did you guys find out? Is there anything that you guys think is our, is my next steps other than getting sleep? Joel's like, you need to call your doctor and get on Ambien. But my first thought about that is if I'm on Ambien, I won't be able to help Ellie with the kids in the middle of the night. Right. And that's one of the, like the biggest things is Ellie needs as much sleep as I do. She's going through the same thing as I am. She might be even more stressed because she has you know, all of these hormonal changes, all of the anxiety, you know, that kind of stuff that has a huge impact on it too. I can't, I don't feel like I can leave her hanging. Right. So I don't know. I'd love to know what you guys think about this for a minute there. I really thought that I was going to die in my sleep. And that was a scary thing. That is scary. I still have a little heart pain here and there, you know, randomly. It's been maybe a couple weeks, a week or two since I've had the you know, before bed, death, thought, which, I mean, we laugh about now, like we really do, but it's, it's a scary thing. I mean, thinking back to when you were laying there in the tent, I might die. That's not fun. No, no. So guys, if you have anything like this, I really encourage you to go get checked out. We don't want any sudden things happening and neither do I, but I want to take the time now to thank my dad for joining me on this podcast to talk about his health history, to talk about his music, to talk about our children's books. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Jared. It's been fun. Maybe we can do some like podcasts with music. You mentioned, like, should I bring my guitar? <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. It would be. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to check out any other podcasts, just search Ellie and Jared wherever podcasts are available. Be sure to leave us a good rating and review, and we will catch you guys next time. Bye-bye.